blogging is kind of the entry level drug. You know, it's, it's cannabis. Whereas I think podcasting is the really hard stuff. It's, it's crystal meth. <laughs> Daryl Sperry is business development director at global communications agency Hotwire. A couple of weeks ago, he and I got into a debate on Twitter as to the relative merits of blogging and podcasting. Daryl thinks blogging is less demanding, has greater SEO benefit and is more measurable. The attribution is easier to get to with blogging than it is with, with podcasting, with all of the tools that are available out there currently. Now, things may change. You know, you could imagine that things will evolve and change and improve over time. But I just think right now, attribution wise, you know, I'd put my money, time and effort in blogging rather than podcasting. I think podcasting is a more engaging form of media, attracts a higher quality audience and consequently is of greater business value. So in today's show, Daryl and I are going head to head to answer one seemingly simple question. Which is more beneficial, podcasting or blogging? This is Digital Download, a podcast that explores the latest thinking in digital communications, PR and social media. Here's your host, Paul Sutton. So welcome to the podcast today, Daryl. How does it feel to be overlooked in the PR Week Power Book yet again? <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much for uh, highlighting that to me, uh, Paul. <laughs> I think I probably took it better than Rich Lee from Radioactive PR, to be fair. But I've kept that comment about that in the uh, in my Twitter bio, <laughs> as you may very well have noticed. <laughs> I did, absolutely. Well, thank you very much for joining me anyway. We're going to talk about podcasting and blogging today. And we're going to have a bit of a hopefully debate, not too heated maybe, but about whether podcasting or blogging is better or what the benefits of each are. I think it's important to say to start with that I don't think either of us believes that they are mutually exclusive, right? Uh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. But this this came from a Twitter chat that happened a couple of weeks ago, which was Elementi's Power and Influence. And that Twitter chat was actually about blogging and specifically why PR students should be starting to blog and what the benefits of that were. Now, I happened to jump on right at the end and threw a question in. Uh, which was why do PR students and, and those who are new to the industry not take up podcasting instead of blogging? And it was just genuine curiosity. I was interested in what people might say. But it kicked off this big conversation around that issue of which you were perhaps the, the most vocal, should we put it that way? Well, well Paul, Twitter is obviously the home of uh, friendly and polite debate, as we all well know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure whether friendly and polite is true of Twitter anymore, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this kicked off this big debate about it. You had several points to come back on, on that initial question, which was around SEO, the benefits of SEO being greater, the learning curve, the fact that it's possibly harder to build a profile with podcasting, easier to set up a blog, all sorts of things. So I thought it would make a really good podcast episode, not a blog to um <laughs> to talk about this <laughs> I, I see this i see this fight is not queensbury rules paul <laughs> <laughs> no i'm this i'm just going to tell you you have lost this <laughs> anyway so where do you want to start with this like i said the initial question was around why people aren't taking up 
podcasting yep. and always default to a blog. And, you know, I mean, I blogged for 10 years before I got to doing a podcast. Having started it, though, and having done this for over a year now, I am so behind podcasting as a medium for building a profile and everything else that I, I don't quite get why specifically in this case, students or anyone doesn't start looking into podcasting and taking up. Where do you want to start with that? Yeah, well, I think that's that's a really good point, Paul. And, you know, I would say for you, it's clearly working as helping you build a build a platform for yourself. You know, you're one of the freelance PR practitioners that I I listen to your podcast every week, as I as I said to you earlier, not to blow smoke. Um, and I think you've you've really done a really good job of you know it's working for you in terms of building your your profile. Um, yeah. I think if you look across the industry, not to you know talk about other podcasts that you know you might be competing with for ears and attention or whatever, but you know there are very few other I think freelance PR people that are using podcasting to build a platform for themselves. You know, you've got maybe Russell Goldsmith, you've got maybe Paul Nez and Bianosa with PR Bants, but there aren't many other examples that I think I can point to yeah. of people doing that successfully. I think with the exception of, of Manifest's uh, Fresh Meat podcast with the mellifluous mm-hmm. Julian, I think you'd rather pour concrete into your ears than listen to most <laughs> other agency podcasts. <laughs> Why do you think that is? I mean, to me, you see, that is kind of the crux of it, is that there are so few podcasts in this this niche around and so few good ones, more to the point. Yeah. So why are we incapable of doing this? <laughs> um, well, I do think, you know, one of one, I think one of your questions was around building an audience. Yeah. And I think building an audience and, and crucially measuring an audience and the um, the value that you get from that is just much harder with podcasting than it is with blogging. And I think it's that feedback loop, right, of feeling like I can more easily see that my blog is contributing to my, you know, my social followings, to my to my network, to the, the audience that I'm building for myself, to traffic. You know, I can measure very specifically traffic to specific posts and pages and and all the rest of it on on the website. And we'll talk about it in a bit more detail, but if you were doing this for a corporate rather than a freelancer or a, a sole practitioner or a student, as you, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, with tools like marketing automation platforms like Pardot and HubSpot and things like that, you can very specifically measure the, the who as well of who's coming to your blog and, and things like that. Whereas it's a lot harder with podcasts. And so I think part of it is a, is kind of that, if you're not getting the kind of positive reinforcement and encouragement that you're building an audience, the podcast side of things, it kind of feels a, a bit more like, well, am I getting a return from this? Am I am I getting value? Okay. So I think that's maybe an issue. Yes, perhaps. And I, I would I would agree on the measurement side because podcast analytics are notoriously difficult to to get a handle of even if you've got if even if you're using a good hosting platform and i use blueberry but libsyn's another one Mm -hmm. and they give you some good metrics but i would agree that you can't tell the specifics of who those people are not from your analytics anyway but so what you're saying paul on your judging scorecard on the judges scorecard is on measurement blogging with <laughs> no no i'm not going to say that actually okay. no, on, the, on a pure measurement point of view yes you're probably right but there is more to it than that okay yeah. because i started my podcast like i say about a year ago and 
I get as many listeners to a podcast episode as I did readers on a blog post. So I would argue the fact that you absolutely can build an audience with a podcast. Mm -hmm. I agree with it. You can't exactly tell who those people are, but I would say that when you look at how people consume the content, so with a blog post, you're going to tweet it or put it on your social channels, whatever it is. And you know that people will spend, because you can tell from your analytics, they're yeah. going to spend three minutes or four minutes, whatever it is, reading your blog post. Yeah. With a podcast, someone like you, for example, is going to sit and listen and spend 30 minutes with my content. Yeah. And you are you are opting to do that. It's not like you've clicked on a on a blog post and you're skim reading it, which let's face it, we all do it. You are absorbed in that content. It's also linear, so you, you can't really skip forward two minutes. I mean, yeah. Technically you can, but you You rarely do though, do you? Even exactly, adverts, exactly. Even for adverts. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Right. And that's yeah, and we we won't go into adverts today, but yes, yeah. absolutely adverts get listened to. Yeah. But so I mean my argument is that the quality of the audience you get with a podcast yeah. is far greater than the quality of audience you get with a blog and if i'm getting the same amount of readers and listeners on a blog post or a podcast i would choose a podcast every single time now which is perhaps yeah. why i very rarely blog nowadays yeah i wouldn't disagree with any of that but what i would say is that is not the experience of most people or corporates for that matter that are doing both blogging mm -hmm. and podcasting. And actually, you're right about the quality versus quantity stuff, 100%. But I think actually the number of people that download and listen to podcasts that most people produce, if they're doing both, will be significantly less than the amount of traffic that they're getting to their website. Now, in our discussion about this on, uh, on Twitter, I mentioned Steve Waddington, who gets about... 8,000, 9,000 uh, uniques to his blog per month. Yeah. He also does a, a podcast, and he hasn't told me, but I would hazard a guess that he doesn't get 8,000 to 9,000 downloads per month. Now, what you could definitely say is the quality of the audience, and you, as you're saying, the quality of the time that people are spending is maybe greater, yep. but I don't know if, if it's the same volume. And it is that volume versus value discussion that we can have across a number of uh, marketing channels, but um, I think that <laughs> is the crux of it for me. Yeah. And I think it's a fair point. I mean, Stephen is probably an outlier on the, on the blogging area. I would say you, you could point at, you know, a number of whether it's corporates or people or, cause I mean, I never got 8,000 visitors a month. Well, I did at my peak, but not recently. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So that's another, it's another win. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, I stand by the fact yeah. that the quality of the audience is far okay. better. Yeah. And I, we were just saying before we started recording, actually, you were asking about my business. And you said that you'd, you'd heard in one of the previous episodes how I was talking about how I'd seen an uptick in web traffic, for example, mm -hmm. uh, or inquiries from the, the web, not traffic, sorry. Mm -hmm. And we were saying, well, why is that? And this is one of those things it's difficult to know. But mm -hmm. all I have changed in the last year is to podcast consistently. Mm -hmm. And I've slightly changed my social channels in that I'm now not on Facebook. I don't put any time into Instagram mm -hmm. and I concentrate on LinkedIn, Twitter. Yeah. That's all that has changed for me. I know that my website is highly ranked and that's got nothing to do with the podcast at the moment anyway, mm -hmm. which leads me down the route of, well, 
I yes, I can't measure it specifically, yeah. but my my gut feel tells me strongly that the podcast is of huge benefit to me from a business perspective. Yeah. Which yeah, I mean, you can go back to the measurement thing, and if you're strict on that, you can say, well, prove it, and I, I can't. Yeah. It's one of those things. But I can tell you, actually, so uh, the Digital Download Live conference is coming up. I can see the people who are booking tickets for that. And I know that the vast majority of them listen to the podcast. So, again, you can argue, well, that is there's a direct correlation there, at least, between the podcast and something business wise. It's the the, the challenge, though, as you said, is the is the attribution problem. And I just think Mm -hmm. it's the attribution is easier to get to with blogging than it is with with podcasting, with all of the tools that mm-hmm. are available out there currently. Now, things may change, you know, the, the podcasting world, you know, a lot of things have happened, you know, acquisitions that Spotify is making, for example, you know, that the, the, yes. the growth and just number of podcasts and things that are out there, you know, you could imagine that things will evolve and change and improve over time. But I just think right now, attribution wise, you know, I'd put my money, time and effort in blogging rather than podcasting. But I, but I do take your point. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, or even if you're not, Digital Download Live takes place in May this year in London. This is the third year it'll be run, and it's going to be a fantastic day of presentations, audience-led Q&As, and interactive workshops. Digital Download Live is not one of those conferences where you go and sit passively in a huge auditorium listening to people talk for six hours. You'll meet like-minded individuals, you'll discuss ideas and opinions, and you'll get your hands dirty in highly practical sessions. This year, we're covering topics including the conflict between technology and humanity in marketing, voice marketing through smart speakers, authority link building, AI tools for communications people, paid social media, Instagram creativity, and brand transparency. For more information and booking details, go to ddl19.co.uk. That's ddl19.co.uk. I hope to see you there. One of the other things you talked about was the ability to secure contributors to a podcast. And I think you, you felt it was easier possibly to get people to take part in a blog post or send you some copy or something that you could use. Is that kind of where you were coming from? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I think there's two parts to that, actually. So the first part is, yes, it's a it's a smaller lift. Right. So for today, for example, we had to move this once. I think, you know, we had it in the diary once yep. and I had I got called into a pitch at rather short notice. So um, uh, we had to move this. An hour is a lot of time for me. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you sent me these questions and I, you know, spun you up an 800 word blog post on, on the subject, I could kind of fit it in around my schedule. And we might have done it a bit a bit more quickly. So I think the investment of time you ask for third parties is one thing. But the other thing is, you know, I'm a big fan of Robert Cialdini. I'm a big believer in the principle of reciprocity. I think it's easier to generate that with a blog than a podcast. If you invite someone to guest blog for you, they'll most likely invite you to blog back for them Mm -hmm. Uh, you know you get the value of accessing each other's networks but you also get you get the benefit of links to each other's sites there as well and any third parties that Mm -hmm. link to that content too which all have a a positive effect i think with a podcast you're typically inviting someone whose audience you may be very interested in 
but they don't maybe have so much to offer you in return in terms of uh, that reciprocity piece. Okay, so here's a question for you. So why why did you agree to come on the podcast today? Well, because then? anyone who works with me at Hotwire knows I just love the sound of my own voice, Paul. <laughs> 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 I think people are very flattered to be asked to take part in a podcast because it's still quite unusual in our industry, at least. I think people are prepared to give up an hour of their time if you approach them in the right way. I've never had anyone say no, actually, to be honest. And I accept that, yes, I'm asking you to give me an hour of your time and to go into a quiet room. And whereas you could just whack out, uh, like you say, 100 words, you know, sitting on your couch at home. But I think, again, going back to the sort of the, the quality aspect, I think it's, a, although it's a bigger ask, it's a, uh, for want of a better word, a nicer ask to someone to say, look, I respect your opinion enough to come and record with me on a podcast and that's going to go out to the world. And yeah, from a selfish point of view, I do want access to your network. Of course I do, because I'm guaranteeing that you're going to go and yeah. tweet this and put it out in your own social channels. So it gives me extra reach by doing that. Yeah, but, you know, PR Week would tell you that network can't be worth a lot because I'm not in that power book. <laughs> <laughs> this is true, and I hope they're listening because oh, <laughs> it's a travesty, I tell you. It doesn't keep me up awake, awake at night, I promise. <laughs> Something you said there is, uh, you know, being you, you were joking about being loving the sound of your own voice. It's another yeah. thing that I've heard a lot. And when I asked that question on Twitter, I had quite a lot of people coming back saying that they weren't confident enough in their voice. Their accent came across quite a lot, actually, mm. because I guess it's a form of media that a lot of people haven't taken up or haven't tried or are nervous about. Yeah. I think there's a perception that it's quite a brave thing to do. I mean, maybe you can expand on that. Again, I, I do get it because I put off recording this for, I don't know, nine months or something for similar reasons. But I guess having done it now, it's something you really get used to very quickly. Yeah, I think confidence is a really important part of this full stop, because I think I currently mentor one of the um, Taylor Bennett Foundation, a girl called Maria de Foro. And she, uh, you know, we she's struggled with finding her own tone of voice and the kind of cadence and things like that around blogging. And I think the ask is an order of magnitude higher podcasting than, than blogging. You know, Maria has written for, you know, publications, you know, um, music websites and makeup websites and things like yeah. that. You know, she's got a great education. You'd expect her to be really confident, actually, in, in blogging. But she she's really struggled to to find that tone of voice and to find the subjects that she would like to to talk about and things like that. So I think definitely just having seen this, you know, with my own eyes, you know, and, and I think the discussion that we had started with, if you were recommending for students to do something, I, I think, <laughs> I don't know if I can say this, but I think blogging is kind of the entry level drug, you know, it's, it's cannabis, <laughs> you know, <laughs> whereas... Whereas I think podcasting's the really hard stuff. <laughs> you know, it's it's crystal meth. <laughs> <laughs> it's an odd analogy, I'll give you that. But, but I, I think you're right. I think I, I, I guess blogging. You know, I, I suppose everyone in PR can or should be able to write. Yes. Um, I mean, I guess from my perspective, because of that, isn't it better to develop and show off 
kind of a different skill, a different set yeah. of skills than everyone else is doing. And I'd also say that the competition in blogging is so high. Yeah. The number of blogs out there is just incredible. And starting with a corporate or a, a student or someone who is not an established blogger now, yeah. I don't know how the hell you get cut through in there. Whereas in the podcasting world, as we've already covered, yeah, yeah. getting cut through is actually relatively easy you still need a network obviously in order to get people to listen to it in the first place but if you yeah. can produce something decent quality getting cut through is is so much easier and I, I worked this out last year i did a, a workshop around podcasting i tried to work out how many english language blogs there are and how many english language podcasts there yeah. are for my best estimate there are about 1800 times less podcasts than blogs in existence at the moment, which is a phenomenal number. Yeah. So again, in, on my side, I'm saying partly it comes back to the quality thing, but partly it's just the competition for blogging is huge. It's absolutely massive. I agree with you. And, and also maybe I'm holding up a, a, a black swan example here, but you know, you only have to look as far as Marcel Kleber. I mean, he was a kid from Poland, you know, no network in, in the UK, you know, to speak of, set up a blog, just asking senior PR pros four questions about themselves. Being PR people, they were only too happy to do that <laughs> yep. and to do that for free. And he quickly built himself an audience of engaged PR pros. He won an award for Blogger of the Year and he got himself a mm -hmm. job at MC Saatchi and, and now Metier. So, yeah, he, he would be an example I would hold up as that's what blogging can do for a student. I haven't seen an example of that happen on the kind of podcast side of things. I take your point that it's a less crowded field, but I think going back to that, just building an audience, I think building an audience for a podcast is just that much harder than building a, an audience for a blog for some of the reasons we talked about. I agree, Marcel is a good example of the blogging thing, but you can't actually say that if he had started a podcast doing the same thing, that wouldn't have been as successful or in a different way, maybe, but successful for him because maybe he is, like I said, with, with Stephen Waddington, a bit of an outlier on that. And it's no coincidence that those two are working together now, I don't think, yeah. you know, because they have that connection there. I mean, I would just like to see someone try this it's it's really frustrating me it frustrates me because i spent nine months going oh should i do it shouldn't i do it and then i started one season as a trial because i thought well i ought to get to know the tech and i've just seen the benefits since and it frustrates me that the arguments against it are i don't know they to me you see all the arguments that you're putting up and i agree yeah. with some of them but they wash they wash past me because the benefit for me outweighs it. Yeah. And the other thing is I am a notoriously poor predictor of <laughs> technology and media success. You know, when Google floated, I went, well, that's just a search engine. <laughs> it's never <laughs> going to make any money. <laughs> so I wouldn't listen to a word I say. I'm a, a terribly poor predictor <laughs> of what the, what the coming trends are. Let's cover the tech quickly, because I know there is a bit of a misconception about Firstly, the cost of the tech that you need to do a podcast compared to a blog, effectively, and, and the skill level you need to produce a podcast as opposed to run a blog on a website. So running a blog on a website, like I said, anyone can write. Anyone should be able to use WordPress or, or whatever. It's not a difficult learn. But then you do have to be able to build a website and design it nicely and all that sort of stuff with it. With a podcast, you've got to learn how to edit a podcast and that's the difference 
there is a sharper learning curve with a podcast but once you've done it you've done it and it's it's not that difficult to get to grips with but i think you may disagree with me but i think people are a bit scared of the tech side of it i agree with you on that and to be honest paul you know as i look around this very expensive soundproof <laughs> state-of-the-art <laughs> recording studio that we're that we're in at the moment you know i can only imagine the enormous cost which has gone into to building this this suite this media suite you know you're a, a self-facilitating media node and that doesn't come without a cost whereas to just get started with blogging you know you could just start using linkedin pulse just to do the kind of tone of voice stuff and what subjects you want to write about and, and things like that for absolutely no cost and then once you're a bit more confident with that, then, as you say, you know, get yourself a WordPress site, maybe invest a little bit of money in a, a nice looking theme or something like that. But I think going back to our mm-hmm. entry level versus, you know, more more, uh, more advanced side of things, I think blogging is definitely, you know, easier. Sure. OK, well, we're coming to the end of, of the time we've got today. So have you got any more points you'd like to raise? Because obviously I've won this debate hands down at the moment. I mean, I think we need to look at the judges' scorecards here, <laughs> Paul. I'm not so sure. I think the one thing we, we haven't really touched on a lot, but it's something that I would, you know, as someone who ran the London office of an SEO business for a couple of years, and I've really kept my hand yeah. in on the SEO side of things. And guest blogging has had a bit of a, tough time you know in recent years you know matt cuts who used to be very you know senior at google said in 2014 that guest blogging was dead and google made some comments about that in 2017 as well but from everything that i'm seeing if you're doing guest blogging organically and not at an industrial scale and if you're doing Mm -hmm. it for sites with a domain authority you know above 30 and if you're guest blogging, as I, as I said earlier, in a, in a reciprocal way for sites that are curated, not just collections of content that they're hoovering up from elsewhere on the Internet. If you don't keyword stuff and if you don't you know, mess around with anchor text too much and if you do that as part of a wider link building strategy, guest blogging is a key part of building SEO value in, into a site, whether you're a, a corporate or whether you're a you know a PR student or a PR practitioner or whatever, and and I would really encourage people to do that. You know, I've guest blogged for a number of you know sites. I I've always found it to be valuable in every respect, including you know SEO. So I think that's a really important part. And if anyone, um, I'll be happy to send you some guidelines. You know, Google's Webmaster guidelines that you can include in the show notes on this. But I'm a, I'm a big proponent still of of guest blogging, and I still think it has a value. Yeah, and I guess that actually goes back to what we said at the very start of this, which is that I don't think either of us believes that podcasting and blogging are mutually exclusive. And actually, what what you're describing there, guest blogging is perhaps something that I should have been doing over the last year as I've moved away from writing on my own site. I should have been actually reaching out and writing for other people because then, in theory, I get the best of both worlds because the SEO side of it in terms of on-page stuff for a podcast is easy to get around because you just produce a transcript, put it on your site, and you you, you can optimise it as well as you can a blog post. But yes, in terms of backlinks, you're right. You don't get backlinks from other websites because podcasts get tend to get shared in in dark places like messenger and you know email and things um so you, you're not getting that seo yeah. backlink value but i totally agree with you absolutely if, if if for a podcaster to have that paired with perhaps a guest blogging strategy which does it in the right way probably the best of both worlds to do that 
I mean, I should say, I mean, I agree with what, what you're saying there, but on the point about transcribing the um, podcast and then putting that up on a, a web page and using that for SEO value, that that is definitely best practice. Yeah. But that might mean that you're going to have a ranking on Google now for cannabis and crystal meth based on our... <laughs> On things I've said on your podcast, so let's see what value that traffic has. Yeah, <laughs> you, I'll, I'll go and check my check my website rankings after this comes out, and I'll be off Google. Basically, <laughs> yeah. I'll go from yeah, first page see, yeah. to nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very sorry about yeah, that, Paul. Yeah. I'll have to make it up to you at a later date. <laughs> okay, so let, let's kind of summarise this a bit then. So I guess from from my perspective, the crux of my argument is that podcasting has given me i believe a very good quality audience which perhaps with blogging i wasn't so sure is there and i know that because i get feedback from people about the podcasts and i listen to this and wasn't it good and i can tell the quality of the people so there's the quality side and i guess from my side i definitely see value from it i can see some direct business value in things like ticket sales like I say, I've got far more inquiries over the last nine months or so since I've been podcasting. So I think there's that side of it. That kind of summarizes why I think people should be exploring this and at least trying it. I'm not saying everyone is going to be a podcaster or wants to be a podcaster, but I think people should be trying it. What's the crux of your kind of blogging first uh, argument? Thank you for giving me the opportunity to summarise succinctly <laughs> my, uh, my my thoughts on this. So I think it's one. It, I think it's less of a heavy lift, and it's less intimidating or daunting for someone, particularly as 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 the original discussion started. You know, for a PR student or someone trying to make their way in the PR world, I think it's an it's an easier thing to get started with and build your confidence with and, and things like that. I think the uh, the SEO value. And the easier way in which you can generate reciprocity through blogging and, and sharing that content on other people's networks and things like that, I think is a really important part there. And I think, you know, the cost side of things as, as well is an important point. And I think the quantity and measurability, so the quantity in terms of size of audience and measurability in terms of the maturity of the tools and things like that that sit around blogging means that you would be getting better, more sort of live feedback on um, on the success that you're having with blogging rather than podcasting. Okay, good summary. <laughs> <laughs> so, judges scorecards. Who do we think won the, uh, won the fight? We're, we're gonna we're not gonna do a Brexit. <laughs> we're gonna put it to the people. If you listen to this, I'd, I'd yeah. love to hear, and I'm sure Daryl would as well. Drop us a, a tweet or something with somewhere we can both see it. And tell us what you think. I mean, I, I think both arguments are actually pretty strong. And uh, I'd just love to know what people think about this, because I think it's going to become an increasing issue, actually, because of the way podcasting is expanding. So, yeah, let us know. Daryl, thank you so much for spending some time on me with this. What, where can people get hold of you if they want to talk to you more? Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to um, talk about this in more detail with you. It's been a really, really fun discussion. So I, uh, I'm probably best reached on Twitter as at Daryl Sperry. That's D-A-R-R-Y-L-S-P-A-R-E-Y. People can also look me up on, on LinkedIn. I'll, you know, I'm, I'm not sniffy about accepting a, uh, a LinkedIn request from anyone. So, um, yeah, those are probably the two best ways to get hold of me. Fantastic. Well, thank you again. Really appreciate it. Thanks very much. 
You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Google Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. And if you've got any ideas for future topics you'd like to see covered or people you'd like to hear from, contact me on Twitter where I'm at the Paul Sutton. Thank you for listening.